0: He is so worthy in this place, my goodness gracious. Welcome to Eastgate Church, so glad that you're here today. If you're a guest, we always say you're not a guest anymore. You're family, so welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of the Lord. A big welcome to everyone joining us online, if you would. Take a second and hit that like and share button and help us reach as many people as we possibly can with this message today. We're so glad that you're with us online. Can we give a big welcome to everyone joining us online this morning? My goodness gracious, starting a new series today um, called Storyteller. And we're just looking at some of the parables that Jesus told. And I'm telling you, if you are looking for powerful sections of scripture to dive into, anytime Jesus is speaking, those are good places to start reading for sure Uh, but man when he is breaking things down in these parables and practical and in very simple ways I'm telling you some of the, the, the bigger nuggets of gold in scripture can be found there some of the more solid Spiritual truths are found there. The keys to unlock the spiritual power that you were intended to walk in is found in these parables, and we're just going to dig into these things over the next several weeks and just see what God's going to speak to us. So if you're okay with it, let's go ahead and dive into this stuff today. Are y'all ready? All right, man, I'm so glad that y'all are with us. A lot going on for sure in this church, Uh, big Elevate. Uh, meeting uh, on the 21st coming up fast so please make sure if you're involved in ministry and the church in any form or fashion that you clear out your calendar on the 21st to be there at 7 o'clock we're gonna feed you uh, and know this is gonna be a great evening of equipping we're gonna go over the vision that we believe the Lord's given us for the fall and the plan on how to accomplish that because a vision without a plan is useless, you know? So we like to put things into action here and and that's what we're going to be doing. If you're just interested in the vision of the church or want to know more about what's going on at Eastgate, that's a great place to jump in. You're not committing to anything. You're just making yourself more aware of what's going on. So if you want to know our heart and what the Lord's speaking to us as far as direction of the church, that's a great place to be for sure. Have y'all ever heard of this thing called the millennial tower? millennial tower i brought a photo of it to show you millennial tower is amazing it is a uh, residential building that was built in san francisco uh 2007 2008 i think is when the project um was was wrapping up it is the tallest residential building in san francisco to date as far as i know um, because information changes just like this you know everybody's building something in that area but but it's amazing when they built this thing Um, They won all kinds of awards for structural engineering feats, um, uh, construction awards, even the the way the concrete was poured won a local award uh, for this building. This is what's crazy. Uh, I don't know who can afford this kind of stuff, but the the smaller two-bedroom condos in this building were selling when it opened for $2.1 million a piece. What do you have to do to be a two-bedroom, not like big mansion, two-bedroom condo, two point one million? That is insane. The uh, the penthouse in this building went for nine point six million dollars. Yeah, you got to be doing something different to make that kind of money for sure. You know. Uh, now, here's what's crazy. As of about a year ago, though, you could not give away a room in this building and here's the reason why after all the building after all the selling after people spent all this money and moved in they figured out a problem when they built this building and laid the foundation they did not correctly account for the type of soil they were building on their calculations were off and that building began to settle down to, listen, 33 inches, the foundation settled on this building. That's pretty, that's pretty drastic, right? But, but the problem was, not so much that, but it was like the, I believe it was the northwest corner of this building settled even more. So, it got a little wonky, a leaning tower of Pisa, yeah, so you got the Leaning Millennial Tower that they spent all this money on. They spent close to, three, I think, $300 million building this thing. Somebody didn't dot the I's and cross the T's. Can you imagine that meeting? <laughs> okay, who forgot <laughs> to carry the one on the formula and jacked all this stuff up, you know? It's, it's crazy. So at the top, it created a 24-inch offing and lean on the building. And they calculated then, hopefully correctly, that every year the building was gonna continue to lean an additional three inches until it reached about, I think it was 39 inches off, so that's give or take five years, a little under five years. Um, When it hit that point, the elevators were gonna stop working and the plumbing was gonna stop working. Can you imagine spending almost $10 million for a penthouse that you can't flush the toilet in? <clears throat> you know what I mean? That's just crazy. Can you imagine being on the lower floors and knowing everything that couldn't be flushed properly that's sitting on top of you? Oh. <clears throat> it would, it's just crazy. <clears throat> so they couldn't give the rooms away at that point. Total loss. And so they started trying to figure out what it was going to cost to correct the problem on this thing. And initial bids came in at $500 million to correct the problem. Well, not really fix it, but just to correct the leaning so that they could stop the building from leaning any more than it already was. As of last year, I think they finally got it corrected. Can you imagine? They spent more money fixing or at least stopping the problem than they did building the building. There's a lesson in there somewhere. If you do it right the first time, it saves you a whole lot of headache and heartache for sure. And so there's a lesson in that. You got to get the foundations right. You got to get the foundations right, not just in building, but in life too. And and the first parable we're going to look at in Matthew uh, chapter 7, Jesus is speaking to that, or at least most people think he is. We'll see where we go in this message today. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is speaking to this group of people on the tail end of this Sermon on the Mount that he had spoken. He he rips off a group of just short parables and this is uh, in that group and he gives a sobering reminder to everyone to pay attention to your life and what's going on in it. He says, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everybody say, the rock. rock. So, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Two different people, two different approaches, two different results, right? Jesus is communicating a, a powerful spiritual truth here, but I think a lot of times most of us miss it. You know, there's a difference between communicating and the reception of what's trying to be communicated, you think you say something, but somebody hears something completely different. Or you think you've heard something, and the other person thinks that they said something different. You know, it's just crazy. My wife and I, we, we had this big debate uh, a couple of years ago. We were driving on this road trip, and uh, <laughs> we we're, were driving, and um, she needed to use the restroom. So you know how it is. You can whip off and, and use the restroom. And she goes, okay, there's a bathroom coming up on this next exit. And I said, cool. And we kept on driving down the road. And she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the next exit. She goes, no, you just passed the exit. What do you mean I just passed the exit? You said, go to the next exit. She goes, no, the next exit was back there. I said, no, no, you should have said this exit, not the next exit. You, know, you ever had those crazy conversations you know, with your spouse or somebody you're dating? This exit or next exit and we got it all worked out and found a bathroom, but just a little bit, just a little bit can throw everything off. You know, she, um, we were getting ready uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, she was in the bathroom and I'm in the bedroom. We're getting ready to go somewhere. And uh, she says, uh, hey, babe, do you want to drive or do you want me to drive? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> <I'm working." laughs> So I was saying, yeah, that sounds fine to me driving, you know? So I hear everything stop in the bathroom. She comes in and she's like, there were two options in that. Which one do you want to do? You know? Like, it's so easy to get off. Uh, when when you're talking, so I ended up driving, you know, so it all worked out, but sometimes we look at the things that are written in the Bible, and we look at them the way that we've always heard them, and that's not actually the heart of what God's trying to communicate in Scripture, and this is one of those blocks of Scripture, I think. I'll tell you another one um, on on communication. Communication is, is serious, man. Can you imagine how much smoothly our state or our country would run if communication would just be clear, you know? It's, it's amazing how your households would operate if communication was just clear. If things were received, parents, the way that we say them, you know what I mean? Things would run a lot smoother. I get that. I get that. So there's a couple uh, fixing to go on vacation, businessman and his wife, and he was out of town on a business trip and they were gonna go to Florida to go to the beach, which raise your hand if you went to the beach this summer for some kind of vacation. There's a few of you, I'm totally jealous of y'all because I didn't get to make it this year. So they were gonna go to the beach and uh, the, the husband said, listen, the plan was, I'm gonna go down early, a day early, and get into the condo, go shopping, make sure everything's good, I'll fly there, you fly from the house, i pick you up from the airport, everything's going to be fine. She says, okay, that'll be the plan. So the day came, he flew down early, got everything set, got the groceries going, arranged the the condo just like he knew she would want it, you know. Um, I don't know if y'all go to vacation places and then change stuff up to make it a little more like what you want. So so that's what, what he was doing. And then he shot a quick email to her to let her know everything was set, but in his haste, he typed the wrong email address and hit send. He sent an email to an elderly lady across the country who had just lost her husband. So she was in a house full of people after the funeral, and... Just had had enough. I don't know if you've ever been to the point where you're like, i just had enough of these people. I just need a little bit of break, you know. My introverts, I feel you. I feel the introverts in the house this morning. Just need. It's not that you don't like people. You just need a little break. So she needed a little break, and she went into her husband's old office and sat down at the computer. And ding, she saw an email notice. She's like, okay. Clicked on it, and after she read it, screamed and passed out. So the family heard the scream, the family heard the thud, they go into the office to see what's going on, and they see this woman passed out on the floor, start trying to revive her, and so trying to wake her up, and she woke up and just, "Ah, ah," shaking hand, pointing at the computer screen. So they look at the computer screen, and they figure out why she had passed out. The email read like this. Dearest wife, just wants to let you know that I arrived safely. I'm looking forward to your arrival tomorrow. P.S., bring some shorts. It sure is hot down here. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So, so getting things right matters, you know, and, 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 and reading through scripture and getting it right absolutely matters. What is Jesus really focusing on here? And I was always brought up to look at the foundation. It's the foundation. What are you building your life on? And, and that's a valid point, but the foundation isn't the focus. The foundation is the result of the focus and the point that Jesus is trying to get across. And let's, let's pick this apart a little bit as, as we dive into this. Because these guys have a few things in common. You've got a foolish builder and you've got a wise builder. And, and both of them were building something. They're both building something. What were they building? They're building a house, right? So they're building a house. Both of them were building something. They were building this house. And it's funny, in Scripture, a house can represent a lot of different things. You know, you never want to, you, you do want to take the Bible in a practical way, but you never sometimes take Scripture at face value. There's always a deeper meaning in things. So in Scripture, house could mean your family. You know, in Scripture, you hear about the house of David. So you could have been building family. That would apply. You could look at a house. Um, representing the house of the Lord in Scripture. So you could be talking about a, a ministry or church um, or walk with God. So that applies. In Scripture, you, uh, you, you also see um, references to the house of Israel. So you could be talking about building a nation Also, or a large, you know, a a nationality or or a people. So there's a lot that comes into that. So they were building something. Both were building something. Both of them heard the word. Both of them heard the word in this parable. They both heard it. Also, um, both of them faced a storm. So. They were both building something, they both heard the word, and they were both eventually facing a storm. Now, when I say storm, y'all know what I'm talking about. In the story, it's a storm that has to do with weather, but it's symbolic for the storms that we face in life, right? You ever faced a storm in life? Between Monday and Friday, did you face a storm in life? or your kids walk through something crazy at school. You know what I'm saying? So, so we get that. I think sometimes we forget, though, that that is part of life. That's why I like passages of Scripture, um, like 1 Peter four twelve. It says, "'Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you.'" It says, "'Don't be surprised by it. Don't let it catch you off guard. It's going to happen.'" Don't be surprised by it as though something strange were happening to you. You know what I mean? It's like when stuff goes wrong in life, a lot of times our our first inclination is to go, Dear God, why me? Why now? You know? Like, it's cool to help other people through the issues in their life and the storms in their life. But when you start walking through it, just why me? And I love Peter because he's like, listen, uh, suck it up, buttercup. Don't, don't act crazy. Don't act like this just surprise you. Don't act weird that this is happening to you like it's something strange in life. This is gonna happen because this world is a fallen world. It's cursed by sin. It's not in its original state. And so it's going to be jacked up, okay? So outside of the mess that we can sometimes make in our own life, which is enough to fix sometimes, you know, And outside of the enemy's attacks on us to try to come against us and keep us from accomplishing what God has called us to do, we've got the craziness of this dysfunctional world that we're living in. And I love this. He's like, listen, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Don't be surprised by it. Don't freak out over it. Deal with it. Deal with it. So in this parable... The foundation isn't the focus. The storm isn't even the focus. The foundation is the result of what Jesus is pointing at. The storm becomes the catalyst by which the spiritual fruit is revealed. But the deeper truth that Jesus is getting at is the bridge that gaps the two of them And he does it between a foolish guy and a wise guy. So this this tells me a couple of things. A foolish person and a wise person can be building something. They can have a dream. They can have goals in life. They're building something, whether it's family or ministry or business. or or what. So, so, So both can have that. It tells me that both the foolish person and a wise person can hear the word of God. We all hear the word of God today, amen? And it also tells me that both a foolish person and a wise person can enter into a storm. All this is happening. That's where the similarities though end. The difference between these two is that the foolish person heard the word. The wise person, what does that passage of scripture say? Let's go back to that for just a second, it says, Ah, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. See, that is what Jesus is communicating. He's drawing a line between the difference in hearing the word and doing the word. He's drawing the difference between being a churchgoer and a follower of Christ. He's drawing the difference between having a form of godliness and being the real deal. Being able to withstand the storms of life isn't based on what you know because there's a lot of knowledge out in this world today. It's based on what you apply. One of the definitions of wisdom is knowledge applied. The difference between this wise man and the foolish person was the application, the application of what was heard, of what was taught. Jesus teaches this on the tail end of one of the greatest spiritual knowledge drops of all time. And then he he just hits pause and throws another story in there and says, hey, it's not about what you just heard. It's about whether or not you put it to work in your life. It's about whether you apply it or not, that's, that's just something. In fact, if you want to come up with a definition for biblical wisdom, I would say it is the ability to apply spiritual truth to life decisions. See, the Bible isn't real in your life until you put it into your life. That's it. I can have all the goals and dreams to lose weight that I want to, but until I get my rear end to work, It's not going to happen. And I will say this, praise the Lord, your boy is down 30 pounds this year and melting away. It's going to be awesome. I love that. But but see, if you don't put action to it, nothing happens. Everybody's full of good intentions and good ideas. Do you put it to work? You know, anybody that's come into the church has heard spiritual truth, but did you put it to work or did it end when you walked out the doors and this segment of your life ended and then the real part of your life began? See what I'm saying? That's, that's the disconnect that Jesus is addressing here. I mean, nobody wants to fail in life, I don't think. You know, nobody wants to fail at the dreams that they have. Nobody wants to fail at at the opportunity to, to have a beautiful family and see your children be raised up to step into the relationship with God that you have and own it for themselves to see our kids successful and not caught up with the trappings and, and the drama that they face every day in school and the indoctrination. Now, we don't want to see them fall prey to that, you know, but, but whether or not we put the word of God to work in our lives can many times be the defining factor in that. Nobody wants divorce when they get married. Nobody gets married thinking, I can't wait until this thing ends. Well, maybe, I don't know. I just, nah. <laughs> nobody, nobody really does, you know. But when one or both of the individuals stray away from God's plan for marriage, then it slowly breaks apart until it's corrected. Nobody wants to fail in life. Nobody wants to see things fall apart spiritually. But the disconnect is our ability to apply the truth of the word of God. See, that's the X factor. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He goes, If you don't apply what you hear, if you don't apply the truth of the word of God or the principles for success that are in there, if you don't apply them to your life, when life hits you square between the eyes, you're going to fold and fall apart this is huge. This is huge because everything you need for success in this life is in the word of God. The Bible says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. I love that he set us up for success. Nobody wants to fail. So if you don't want to fail, let me challenge you to hit pause and do an evaluation of the direction that you're heading in your life because right now you're either applying the word of God or you're eh, kind of halfway working it and you got some kind of foundation but it's not actually a solid foundation. In James chapter 1, kind of hammers this down. He says, "Do not merely listen to the word." Wow, I love that word merely. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone say do what it says. Yeah, do what it says. I love, this is, this is just amazing to me. He says, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Deceive yourselves. Not the enemy attacking you and taking you out. He says, don't just listen to this stuff and deceive yourself into thinking that you got it, you don't have it till you do what it says. We think that we're okay and in our minds, we, we have this concept of spiritual truth, of spiritual knowledge and a picture of who in our mind, in our life experience, who, who we think God is and represents. And so we, pe- we paint all of these things and sometimes use the tool of grace to erase some of the black and white of the truth of the word of God so we can pencil in our own gray of convenience And we deceive ourselves. Wow. That means maybe the enemy isn't the greatest obstacle that you got to face. Maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe it's... Gives you something to think about. It says, don't just do that and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks. So you ever look at yourself in the mirror and forget whether or not your hair was right? Man, I did that the other day. I had to go back and look, and I'm like, I'm just going to chalk that up to I'm busy, not that I'm getting older. am a busy guy. But, but he says, don't, don't let that happen to you with regard to the word of God. He says, but everyone who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, there he says it again, it's not so much what you've heard, but you do it, then they will be blessed in what they do. Amen. The secret to success in what you're doing is making sure that you are applying the word of God to it. Right. And better yet, that what you're doing fits into the narrative of the word of God. Amen so that you're not just grabbing quotes from a different book to put into your own story, that you're actually lining up with it. Makes a big difference. Uh, you ever gone into those bathrooms that have motion detector lights? Man, have y'all ever been messed up by those things? My good, I know some of y'all have, because you stayed in the room a little bit too long, searching online, whatever, catching up with social media, and the lights went off. I walked into one at the school that my daughters go to and there's like this delay on it. You walk into the room and there's like darkness. The first time I did it, I'm like, oh man, somebody cut the light off in here. So I went looking for the light and while I was looking for the light switch, boop, the lights came on. and I was like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. But then in the back of your mind, I don't know if y'all do this, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, how much time do I have? <laughs> you know, like how long have I got in here? And so it just throws everything off and like all this pressure and stuff to... There's just things you don't need to be pressured on in life, and that's one of those things. You, know, just, you need peace. You need peace in the bathroom. But, but the funny thing with motion detector lights, those motion lights, it takes movement to get them to work. Okay? So, so the switch is there, the sensor is there, the power source is there, everything is there that's needed for there to be light in the room. But there will be no light in the room until motion sets it off. It is the same thing in your life with the promises of the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God, okay? The power source is there. Everything is in place. But until you put it to work and start moving with it, the light is going to stay off. And you're going to be frustrated and overwhelmed and overcome. And you're going to fail spiritually over and over and over again because you're trying to do it yourself and stamp God's name on it. And it just isn't going to work. But when you put the Word of God to work, that's when mountains move. That's when the seas split. That's when the miraculous takes place. That's when you see victory in your life. You've got to put it to work. you got to move. You've got to move. Uh, both houses in this parable, they look good until the storm came. They look good until the storm came. Oh, people look great in church Shouting and lifting their hands to the Lord. Oh man, Waymaker, I love that song. Oh my gosh, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. Oh my goodness, I love it. He never stops, he never stops working. I'm like, that's right, my God never takes a day off. That's awesome. And then you walk out there and life happens and then you really find out what you're built on. And what you're built on has nothing to do with what you've got stored up here. It's what you're putting to work out here. Jesus is saying it's not real. It doesn't do you any good at all. At all. Who cares if you never miss a Sunday at church, if you cuss out your coworkers on Monday? You know what I mean? Who cares if, if you're serving in as many ministries as possible at church, if your family can't stand to be around you because you're controlling and a manipulator? You know what I'm saying? It does you no good to do all of that if you're gossiping and slandering if you're not putting the word of God to work in your life. And I'm not talking about being perfect. Right. You know, nobody in here is perfect, including me, but we should be applying this thing to our life. That, that's the difference. That's the difference. When we, we all know, let's just be honest, we all know how to smile when the world's falling apart. Yeah. Okay, we all know how to, to put on that face and this is what Jesus is saying here that, that the houses were houses. They looked great. The shutters were great. The, paint, the front door was painted. The flowers looked good. And the garden out there, it was awesome until the storm came. And then you found out what was really going on. You guys like apples? Like, I like apples, but I really love these kind of apples here. So, so me, me and Kelly. Um, Not every year, but almost every year if we can. I like to steal her away around her birthday in January, and we'll go to, like, the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area uh, because they still got the Winterfest stuff going on up there, and it's not nearly as crowded as it would be right now to go. Um, And and so we go up there, and and it's just us time, and we have fun, and she loves to get these things, and I have learned to love them too. Oh, they're amazing. These things are so good. Especially, you see this one in the middle with all the chocolate and the marshmallow goop on it, man, and the, it's like a s'mores apple thing going on. God almighty. That's just crazy. That's good. But the apple that's inside it loses all of its nutritional value. (laughs) When you put that goop all over it. You know what I mean? Like it's so it's good, but it like wipes out everything that the apple by itself could do. And I think sometimes this is what we like to do with our lives. So you've got you've got like the truth of the word of God, but we like to goop it up and make it sweet and tasty. Instead of sometimes just taking the straight apple like we need to. You know and and I love these things, man. I I love this stuff, but this is one of the most unhealthy things that you can put in your mouth. But it takes Why is it? Why is it that almost anything that tastes amazing is not good for you? What is it? Like in heaven it's got to be different, right? It'll be like, "Man, this broccoli really tastes like a porterhouse steak. I love this." You know what I mean? Like it's got to be that's crazy. Man, that's just, these green beans taste like cheesecake. This is awesome. Oh, gosh. But that's not how it works out, you know. Wait, so you've got the two foundations that are produced by obedience and application to the Word. So you've got the rock, and you've got the sand. And I think sometimes what we like to do is create this sandy rock mixture and think that we're okay. And it doesn't work that way. Water down the truth of the word of God and and just to get a little more specific because I'm talking in broad brushstrokes for the most part but when it comes to our lives isn't it crazy how we can justify personal sin in our lives Mm -hmm. like nobody else Mm -hmm. well it's just grace maybe in the beginning but you got to grow and mature (laughs) yeah got to put the Word of God to work in your life so you can grow and mature so that when life hits you, you don't fall apart. Got to have that consistency there, you know. It's just when you when you stand up in the pulpit like this, pastors all over the country will stand up and they'll pause in moments like this because there's a difference between a pastor and someone paid to communicate. I want to tell you this morning, you've got a pastor here that loves Amen. you. Okay? I'm not some hireling. I'm a pastor that loves you, and I want the best for you. I want the best for you. That's why, if, if, um, if you call yourself a Christian, okay, and you're dating someone, okay, got that relationship going, but y'all decide to move in with each other, and now you're both under the same roof. You're not married, and you're sexually active. What is that called? It's called sin. It's called sin. Well, God understands, does he? It doesn't matter how much you raise your hand and shout and all of that stuff. Sin is still sin. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what your family says is acceptable. Sin is sin. And here's, listen, newsflash, God does not change his mind on any of it. So you live in this state of being self-deceived. Because you aren't actually applying the truth of God to the relationship, you got two options spiritually: uh, move out and stop that, or get married. Well, everything's on, and it's legal when it's when you're married. But until then, it's out of bounds. You know, it, it's just crazy. We we justify things like when we hit a hard financial stretch in in life, and we say to ourselves, "Okay, well." I'll just get caught back up, and then I'll start tithing again. Yeah, I love you. I love you. It's not really a problem in here. I'm just giving examples, though. See, we create this own narrative in life. Somebody offends us, and we know the Bible says we're supposed to do what? So, So go talk to them and forgive them and try to restore the situation, but we create this own narrative in our hearts and in our minds and say, you know what? I'll love them from a distance. I'll just, I, I know I got to love them, but I don't have to like them. Well, I forgive them. I just don't want to be around them, hear the sound of their voice, smell any. I don't want to smell them. I don't have to look at them, but I forgive them and it's all good. But when they walk into the room, I'm going to get quiet and leave because I can't stand, Oh. See, we, we trick ourselves. Yeah. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, you've got to apply this and not have a mixture of both. Because he says in Revelation, he says, I would that you would either be hot or cold. Not both, but because you're lukewarm, because you're trying to mesh it all together. He says, it's making me sick. You can't have it both ways. My word does not operate in the delusion of your own philosophy. Right. It's got to be his way to make it work. Y'all love me? Yeah. Man, I tell you what, this is just, Jesus is just dropping some serious truth here. It, most, most of the time, people don't start with God. They start with their plans, and then they invite God to go along with it. Right. Well, I'm going to date this person. God, please bless this relationship. What did God say before you started the relationship? Are they a believer no, okay, that's out of bounds. It's out of bounds. That's not Pastor Josh. That's word of God. Well, I can witness to them and bring them to church and they'll show up to church. You're deceiving yourself. Yeah. Right. See, you're deceiving yourself. He plays this game all the time. And, and is, to be honest with you, you know, the Bible says that we deceive ourselves because at the end of the day, if we honestly don't have a heart that's put in check by the word of God, we do whatever the heck we want to do. And try to stamp God's name on it. And Jesus is saying, You can't do that. Can't do that. Can't have it both ways. This is a secret to the firm foundation and withstanding the storms of life and the attacks of the enemy and others and just life itself is the application of the Word of God. So the power to overcome is not based on what we know, the power to overcome is unlocked by what we do. It's unlocked by what we do. Question for you this morning. What are you doing? I remember when God just hit me with a two-by-four in my walk with him. Was like, everything that, that we, we talk about and everything that I'm preaching, please don't misunderstand. I just, I'm never up here pointing fingers and throwing shade. You know, I do everything I do to deliver the word of God with a heart of love. Because many times I've been there. And if I haven't been there, I am there. You understand, your pastor's growing just like we're all growing. So I'm trying to please the heart of the Lord just like, you know, you guys are. I believe all of us are. Remember when he hit me, because I had a, a head full of knowledge. Man, I could close my eyes and just, Quote blocks of scripture to you, could tell you what the Bible said about just about anything, but when it came to actually living it out, Amen. Jesus hit me and he said, "Why, why are you being a Pharisee?" What do you mean I'm not a Pharisee? He goes, "Yes, you are. You have a head full of knowledge, but you're not putting it to work. You think it applies to everybody else but yourself." Yikes. I love the way Jesus is t- he's teaching here in this. The heart of it is, are we applying the truth to the Word of God? Not our philosophy, not our opinion, not what we've given ourselves permission to live in, but the reality of the truth, the Word of God, and what it says on any issue of life. Because the Word of God speaks to every issue of life. So our first thought should be, What does the Word of God say? When we face opposition, what does the Word of God say? That becomes my playbook, whether it feels natural or not. What does the Word of God say? When there's problems in the marriage, well, what does the Word of God say? And we work that instead of biting into the trap of emotional friction there. It is, what does the Word of God say? When it comes to how you interact with people that you work with, what does the Word of God say? Versus what you're trying to do to fit in and be cool and be one of the guys. I promise you, when those people that you work with are standing in front of the Lord, fixing to be sent to hell, you had that opportunity to be cool or to be truth, to blend in and be part of their deception or point them to a God that loves them. You know what I'm saying? It, it all matters. It all matters. Are we applying this stuff to our lives? Is it real, or is it just a bunch of knowledge? Father, oh, you guys have to close your eyes for just a second. Father, speak to us in this moment. Speak to us, Lord. Challenge us in the deepest part of who we are, to take an honest look at ourselves, to take an honest look at Your Word. Father, don't let anyone be confused. Again, I'm not talking about a standard of perfection because we can't hit that. We need you, Jesus, to equip us. But we could live at a higher level, I believe, than many of us are. So, Lord, speak to us in this moment. Is your word the go-to or does your word become the stamp that goes on what we've already decided we're going to do? first question this morning, and we ask this often around here. Before we get into anything else, I want to know how your relationship with God is. Is Jesus really Lord and Savior of your life? Have you asked him to be Savior and Lord? Have you really repented of sin and turned away or are you in here today, and if you look at your lifestyle and the choices that you make, and you got a head full of knowledge, and maybe you've even heard about God, but when you look at your lifestyle and what you're doing, it is far, far away from what you'd see in the Word of God. The beautiful part about that question is right now, whether you're watching online or in-house, you know the answer, you know the truth. Either that relationship with Jesus is real or it's not. It's not about the religious cycle of going to a church service. It's about do you have an active relationship with the savior that gave his life? To see that relationship restored. A lot of times people think that God's just ready to pour judgment out on us and that's not the case. If God really wanted to judge us and destroy our lives, why would he send the most precious thing that he had? His son to die for us, to give us an opportunity to escape the penalty and price of sin. His heart's a heart of love in this season. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? When I count to three, if, if that's you and you know that that is not the reality, that's not the truth, that is not where things are in your walk with him, When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes and look with me. And I I want to pray with you and walk you through a prayer to to get this right. To walk you through this process to get your heart right. To get this relationship with Jesus right. So you don't have to walk out of here wondering or guessing. You can know 100% as a fact where you stand with God. If you're here today, you know, Pastor Josh, I'm not ready to stand before God. Pastor Josh, Jesus really isn't Lord and Savior of my life. At that shield on the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me. Here we go. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Band, media team included, no one looking around. And you guys watching online or listening to this later, respond to this. Respond to this. Here we go. One, two, you're ready to make a change. Three, lift your eyes up and look at me at that shoe. I'm ready to make, I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. Once you lift your eyes up, you can put them back down. Pastor Josh, I am not ready to stand before God. My relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be, and I want to get it right now. Lift your eyes up and look at me. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you or anything. I just want to pray. I see you back there. I just want to pray with you. I just want to get this right. It's too important to play around with. It's too important to put off. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. Lift them up and look at me. I want to pray with you. All right. I want everyone to pray and repeat this prayer after me. And if you lifted up your eyes and you meant it, I want you to pray this prayer and mean it from your heart. The Bible says that you believe in your heart, but you confess with your mouth. So I believe that that believing process has already started in your heart. So what we're gonna do is confess this with our mouth. So everyone repeat this after me, all right? Jesus. Jesus. All right, let's start again because I think y'all are going to sleep on me. Okay, here we go. Let's start again. Jesus. Jesus. thank Thank you for dying for my sin Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for paying that price for me. I choose to accept it. I repent. That means I turn away from the sin of my life. I don't want it. I want you. So change me and grow me. So I can become the person you intended for me to be. Thank you so much for being my Savior. And now I make you my Lord. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I'll follow you as you change me from the inside out. Thank you. Amen. Let's give God praise for what just happened in this place today. Love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, sometimes what we do is we have everyone go out of the room with Miss Emily, who's sitting right here by the the camera, uh, and she's an amazing person. I just really don't feel led to do that today. Let, Let me encourage you, everyone to lift it up your eyes and make this decision. Listen we have baptisms taking place next Sunday. Next Sunday. What a perfect opportunity to just put a stamp on the decision that you've made to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. All baptism is, it's just kind of going public with your faith and going public with what's just happened now in service. It's symbolic, you're going down into that water, dying to your old way of life, coming up out of the water, a new creation in Christ, Listen, if you if you uh, want to be baptized, listen, get with Emily. Get with Emily as soon as we say amen after Rachel's done and dismissed. Get with her, okay, and get signed up to get baptized. Uh, Rachel's going to give you an opportunity uh, in just a little bit to be baptized just in case you haven't been baptized and God's done something in your life recently, maybe not today, but in a recent service, and you want to go public great opportunity to do it next Sunday, but make sure you sign up before you leave here so we can have a t-shirt ready for you. Make sure that you're taken care of next Sunday. So the question is this, are we going to be hearers of the word or doers of the word? Are we just going to be walking around like an ATM full of knowledge or are we going to put this stuff to work? Let's put it to work. That's where the victory is. That's where the overcoming power is. This is what Jesus is saying in this parable. So foundations are one thing, but the foundations are the result of putting the Word of God to work. It's got to be real for it to be real. And I promise you this, if you work it, it will work in your life. Father, thank you again for what you're doing in the service. Father, I just speak over all of us. Lord, that, that if we've been convicted today, then Lord, we take that conviction and let it become motivation. I pray that no one feels guilty because that's not the intent. You don't make people feel guilty. You bring conviction to bring about change because you always want the best for us. So Father, I pray that we change, that we put this to work now and apply it to our lives, that we're not just hearers, that we're doers. So that when those storms come, we find ourselves prepared and ready and not caught off guard, living a self-deceived life, Father, but that we're ready to overcome because we know those storms are going to happen. It's going to happen. So it shouldn't catch us by surprise. And we shouldn't feel like we're the only one because we're not. God, thank you enough for preparing us for those days so that we can not just stand, but thrive. Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise for the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God, praise in the house. today.